Hello everyone, welcome to Design Untangled, just me today, and we've got a very special guest, very special, um, Stuart Davis, who is Head of Consumer Products at Not On The High Street. So welcome to the podcast, first of all, thanks for chatting to us today. So just to kick off, I thought it'd be interesting just to get a bit of background about yourself and how you ended up in the, the role or area that you did. Absolutely. Uh, thanks very much for having me. So um, I, I think it's a really common question to ask product people because there are so many different ways into this role uh, mm-hmm. and, and also because the role is so different in so many uh, different companies, um, the backgrounds and skill sets that are needed are obviously uh, lends itself to that. So. Um, Personally, I started off, uh, I guess, going back to university days, uh, doing a mechanical engineering degree. So, you know, sort of semi-technical in nature. Yeah. Um, but I actually specialised in, in uh, something called innovation and engineering design. Uh, and the reason I chose that was, effectively, I like solving problems. I like innovation and, uh, and, and seeing what can be done with the resources at hand. So um, it was a really great course uh, at the University of Bath. And um, when I came out of that... Really didn't know kind of what to do with it, but I know I liked I like problems. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I actually started off as a consultant, business consultant, working for Accenture, um, and kind of working with these really large uh, multinational clients, as Accenture did back then, um, doing IT projects at kind of huge scale. And I think that was uh, exposing me to very kind of waterfall methodologies, yeah. you know, very high levels of requirements, specifications, and, and things like that. Um, you know, and it was tough. It was, it was you know, writing hun- multi-hundred-page documents of, of requirements. Lots of uh, decks you know, as well, lots I know, from my time in consulting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, there, there, are, there are skills in there in terms of dealing with clients and managing time, thinking about the problems and how to solve them, um, you know, that are still relevant today. So, so I, th- I think it was a good, good um, sort of starting point. For, for this career. Um, I actually then went into um, a kind of consultancy role within Bloomberg and uh, was working uh, on uh, renewable energy, which was kind of my interest yeah. at, at the time. And um, I found myself working kind of with engineers as a consultant for, for clients. And what it really turned into was a, a B2C product management role. Uh, and as, as I think many people who are in this role find, they you know, they're doing the job and then they, they start to think, well, what is this job? Um, and then they do some research and say, oh, actually, I'm, I'm basically a product manager. Um, so when I, when I had the opportunity to, to move on from Bloomberg, uh, I joined a startup, which is a very kind of digital-focused uh, startup called um, House Trip, uh, and they were a marketplace for holiday rentals. Uh, and they were actually competing with Airbnb at the time. So, right. you know, but the, the, the great thing there was being exposed to leaders, uh, product leaders who um, really knew their stuff, you know, and took it from the level of uh, just kind of working out how to do this thing as we go to thinking about what is best practice, how you might approach product problems, you know, what, what is growth, what is optimization, what yeah. is, you know, uh, conversion. And all of those things, and really that's where I kind of learned uh, most, or really most of the, the core foundationals of um, being a product manager. Um, Do you prefer product manager or product owner, by the way? Is there a difference? I think there is a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, and, and I think there's lots of definitions on, online about this. Uh, I always view product owners as 
a little bit closer to the uh, business analyst delivery manager sort of role. It's, it's obviously it's still uh, product focused, but working um, with a bit more focus on creating the stories, helping actually develop and deliver the solutions. Right. Yeah. Whereas a product manager, you know, and that is what I expect from, from my team as well, is to be thinking much more holistically. So outside of how we're delivering the technology to how you deliver product across you know the, the, the full set of touch points for that mm-hmm. business um, but also getting more into the strategic mindset yeah um, than a product owner uh, potentially would mm-hmm. um, so yeah and I, I went on from house trip to working at uh, Gumtree uh, doing there as a senior product manager spent five years uh, working in a really interesting environment where um, effectively we were Across so many different sectors, we were competing with Auto Trader, Right Move, uh, Read, um, uh-huh. you know, e- e- every vertical you can think of. We were sort of number two or three in the market in the UK, um, competing against businesses that had four times as many engineers and a focus on that industry. So, um, you know, very interesting environment mm. to work on. I would say it's a, it was a, um, a thin slice. Uh, of, of the user experience in any one of those verticals, but uh, managed to move there into the into the product leadership role. So became head product there, um, you know, about four years in, and uh, really, uh, it's a very different experience to move from a product manager mindset into a product leader mindset. Yeah, um, and I think that it's, it's sometimes hard to get that experience if you don't manage to find that role in an organisation that you're already with. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, uh, yeah. It's been a, it's been a, you know, big education. I think moving into that, and that set me up for for, for joining um, not on the high street. Yeah, uh, only a, a month or so ago. So that transition from kind of being on the ground dealing with stuff, product manager versus sort of leading a team. How, I guess, how have you found that, and what are the main differences on, in like what you do day to day? Do you think? Yeah, I think, um, I think you. Product is about you know helping to solve problems, and I think there are multiple problems that you need to solve to, to deliver a good product. Uh, and I would say that one of the areas that I focus more on now than I used to is how do we as a product team develop ourselves so that we can be more effective at, at, at delivering a product. Um, and again, really focusing more on the kind of strategic where we're going to be setting really clear goals um, to help give guidance to the team. Um, I definitely still want to feel in touch with the product and I think it's important for people in uh, product leadership positions not to become managers and mm-hmm. retain their kind of product uh, yep. connection. Um, so we're trying to do that and, and realistically I, I look at this role as how do I support the team, the product team but the, the whole business um, to deliver products in the most effective way. Yeah. Um, Talking a bit more about like the team management and stuff, that's obviously when you're on a certain career track, eventually that usually becomes part of your job. Like, is that something you kind of found quite easy to sort of pick up, like doing performance reviews and all those those kind of other things that come along with the territory? Um, yeah, just how did you find that as a sort of an additional responsibility mm-hmm. that you now had? I mean, managing people is, is hard. I think when you when you're developing product, you un- understand the needs, you know, go into the problem and try and solve it. And I think that even when you're dealing with, um, you know, lots of users with lots of different needs, um, 
it's still probably a little bit easier to, hang, to, to, to grapple with than specifically managing individuals mm-hmm. because the you know, different people uh, react completely differently or have different career goals and yep. you know, might be uh, might have very strong opinions also about ways of working or what product means uh, and I think that there is a you know you need to be um, you spend a lot of time working with your team to understand those perspectives and, and I think it's it is very hard to do a good uh, leader and people manager job um, I mean lots of people do it badly you know and I've, I think everyone will have had their share of, of bad managers in the past and I'm not going to mention any names but um, you know and I think you can you can do it in a kind of a passive way and, and tick the boxes in the same way you can do anything but um, you know I definitely try to to uh, invest in the people and also how you work with those people to get the most out of them because at the end of the day that is as much a part of delivering a great product as what you yeah. If you haven't got the people that want to do it, then you're not going to get anything done, really. Absolutely. And I once got asked, you know, do, do you have a world-class product team? You know, and I think when you, uh, obviously, part of managing that team is, is the hiring aspect of it and choosing the right people. Um, and I think that it's more about capabilities and mindset than, than skills and experience. And obviously, there are going to be times when experience is, is really necessary to kind of get moving fast. I think the most important thing is understanding where that person's capabilities are mm-hmm. and how you can help develop those. You know, and, and it's fine to think about it in you know a, also a selfish way where you think, how can I get this person to be yeah. as effective as possible to help me achieve you know the goals that I set for myself as mm-hmm. well. Cool. Um, so yeah, moving on a bit then about the end-to-end product process and what you see as a an effective product process essentially. So you told me a bit through so where the product um, journey starts almost like does it tie back to the organizational goals and KPIs stuff like that and then all the way through to where there's a sort of live feature and you're planning to kill it off potentially if you see that as an end state that is yeah absolutely you know as I mentioned earlier where, where product is um, the difference between the product manager and an owner as a product manager I think you are responsible, if you want to feel responsible for um, the full success of the business, and especially in a digital business uh, built around a, a product. Um, so yes, I think that you know there is a role for product throughout the entire life cycle. Um, I think often we, we kind of draw it out as a straight, as a, as a line or as a process to be able to communicate it and talk about it. Um, it's an incredibly messy, you know, string of, of things that go on yeah. at any one time. You're, you're thinking both about features that are end of life or strategic decisions you're making for two to three years time mm-hmm. and anything in between. So, so although, yes, you draw these things out in a nice clean way, normally they're all happening all the time. Um, so that's what I would, uh, first thing I'd want to point out. Um, in terms of, you know, walking through that journey, uh, Yes, absolutely starts with a really strong business strategy, you know, and I've been in environments where the lack of a clear business direction um, means that you just don't know what to build as a product or you don't know where to go with it. Yeah. Uh, and it can, be, it can be very disruptive to, um, to really making an impact as a product team. So it has to start with a clear vision all the way down from the, the CEO or the, the manager of the business, uh, management of the business. So, um, but you know, given a, a strong direction where the business wants to go, you know, as 
product managers, we, we input into that. Um, we also kind of take that kind of direction and say, okay, what, what does the product need to be uh, to, to deliver against that business strategy? Uh, and that's obviously where the, the product strategy comes in and, and really everything needs to cascade from that point. Um, one of the most important things to me is how you have focus and how you give focus to teams. They need the North Star, they need the, the, the vision in place. Um, otherwise the energy is just dissipated in a, you know, uh, we want to be, we want to be a laser, not a light bulb. Yeah. Know, it's like that kind of thing. So, um, have you seen any particularly like good examples of where an organization has been able to communicate that sort of vision and, and goals? I mean, I think if you take the successful organizations that have grown fast, there is a very clear mission that underpins that. Yeah. So I'd, I'd say it's, it would be hard for an organization to become, you know, to go into hyper growth without that clear vision. So, you know, pick your, pick your kind of Ubers or Amazons mm -hmm. or, or whoever you want. Um, there, would, there, there is always a, a clear direction underpinning that. And that's why, you know, these kind of entrepreneurial types with this kind of single-minded vision, uh, you know, are so valuable to businesses at early stage because they, they give that clear indication. Yeah. And you know what, sometimes if it's, it's much better in my mind to have a clear vision, go in that direction and, and pivot and, and you know, treat the business like you treat your product and you know, be lean, move forward and, and if needed, you know, pivot and, and change direction to, as, as you learn more. Yeah. Do you think organizations ever get to a point where they've kind of gone through that growth stage and I guess you never really get to an end point, but they've achieved their North Star and that they've acquired enough customers to make it sort of a viable business or whatever. How do you then kind of keep the product moving forward versus just staying a bit stagnant and doing smaller optimizations versus, you know, trying to grow in different areas? I think the interesting point there is that is, is, there, is there anything where a business just remains at a level? Um, and I think that, you know, we're talking about horizons here. So, <clears throat> you know, you'll go through a growth stage. Um, that growth naturally sort of tails off as you exhaust the market segment or, you know, get to the limits of the, the product or the feature set that you have. And then you have to make a decision uh, effectively whether you want to grow and grow or whether you want to kind of optimize. Yeah. You'd be hard pressed to find any business that's happy to go, okay, we'll go to 0% year on year growth and, and stay there. Um, mm -hmm. It'd be hard to get more investment or, or, or um, better shareholder relations <laughs> if you do that. So <clears throat> I think it's about like recognizing when your, when your business or product has, has expended the growth within a segment and, and when is the right time to, to look for other things. But I think you need people within the business that are constantly looking f for how to innovate and how to, how to keep growing. Um, because you know, whenever you think you've hit a, a roof, there'll be another company that storms past you and, and finds uh -huh. a different a different way. Um, so you know, effectively, no one can rest uh, rest easy and, uh, and and relax about these things. Yeah, just to rewind a bit, talking about the company strategy and stuff. I'm guessing you work a lot with OKRs. Would you be able to give a brief sort of overview of what they are and how they are used by product to influence stuff that you do? Yeah, so um, I've, I've used OKRs uh, plenty, I've used other ways of setting goals as well, and I think that 
I think where OKRs uh, has benefit for for product teams, but also the wider the wider business, is to give more information about the why behind the targets. Um, and I think that really speaks to motivation. So if you, you know, I've worked in businesses where they just give you a target, say this is what we want to hit, this much revenue this quarter, and everybody just goes, yeah, okay, we'll we'll try our best, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's very hard to get motivation around that number, even if it's related to personal bonuses or, or whatever it may be. Um, I think what OKRs does is it actually gives the, the, the why, the, um, the outcome, or the, the, the reason that you want to achieve that thing. And it really helps tie back to that kind of company strategy as well. Um, so as I said earlier, everything should cascade from that, and OKRs being no different. Um, one thing I, I would say that is really important in my mind about OKRs is that they are shared, as in, you know, you want different parts of the businesses to be sharing goals and sharing, um, uh, you know, sh- sharing the work that they do and the, 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 what they're trying to achieve. Um, we want to be very collaborative businesses, and if you don't have a common way of setting goals and tracking uh, performance, then uh, collaboration becomes much harder. Yeah, uh, and I've seen that where you know, for example, a marketing team would have goals around growth and uh, product team has goals around conversion, um, but obviously both need each other to achieve either of those. So um, I think that uh, that's that's really important. But also OKRs, it's really important for them to um, be a uh, motivational tool as well for the company. So to give a you know good reason why we should be doing these things and also make sure that they are manageable by the team that are going to be responsible for delivering against them. Yeah. So OKRs can, you know, OKRs can be set wrong very easily. You know, wrong is a hard word, but um, if you set an OKR that has, uh, you know, f- for a product team that has lots of dependencies out that aren't within the control of that team, and no matter what they do, they can't really impact that OKR. That's not going to be motivational. So uh, I think it's it's really important that the, the team feel connected to that OKR and understand how they can impact it as well. So would they be kind of a primary method of defining your product roadmap or are there other things or decisions that would go into that? I mean, there are definitely other decisions. You, you, you really want your, your OKRs to uh, capture what you're trying to achieve as a business. Um, and obviously there are, there are multiple things that go into the priorities for, for a business, whether that be um, kind of the, the strategic or business requirements, actual like technical uh, needs to achieve. Uh, also, you know, obviously should be uh, very much focused on your, your customer needs as well. Um, but all of those things have to come, come together. Uh, and it really, you know, it really depends whether you can capture all of those things within, within OKRs. Um, some things obviously are going to be delivered more in a project mentality, so a big lump of technical debt that you need to uh, overcome as a foundation for you know the strategic direction you're going in is a very different beast than um, you know a, a target just to kind of improve the user experience, drive a conversion rate, or something mm-hmm. along those lines. Um, so yeah, obviously this is a design-focused podcast and product is one of the key kind of people that we interact with and work with how do you or like how do you prefer to work with design and engineering as well in order to come up with a good product essentially 
yeah, I think, like you say, it's um, it is really, really important. You know, we're not kind of customers of each other. We, I always view design, technology, product, and data as as a single team. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, it's a bit funny being in the product team because we're all effectively building the product. So um, product managers aren't aren't uh, can't really do anything by themselves. Yeah. Um, so really, to to build effective products and, and build them well. You know, you need everybody who well, has an effect on, on that product to be working closely together. And I think as much as possible, what I try and do is to um, build that kind of one team mentality and really, you know, a- allow all of those different expertise um, areas to to kind of work very closely together. Mostly be in the room together, but obviously respectful of where one party has more expertise in an area than the other. So, you know. Uh, as a as a product manager, we've got we have general expertise. Yep. We've been in, you know, we've touched all of those those things for a while. Um, an engineer may have some some thoughts about design uh, and how that might be implemented in the technology they're building, um, but also should be respectful of the the, the level of expertise that a, a designer or a data analyst has and their understanding. Yeah. Uh, as they collaborate, so I think kind of with with respect and, and transparency you can build a, a, a really good collaborative team. So we've spoken to some other product managers in the past who, when they're doing research, like they will actually be speaking to customers as well. Like some of that I think is just because there isn't like a dedicated resource there, but how much, how involved do you think product managers should be in research, if not conducting it at least, you know, being involved in the, the observation and analysis of that research? Yeah, I feel like there's a right answer here as well. <laughs> now, I think that, um, again, with this kind of one team mentality, I think it's great for everybody to uh, be involved and hear the, um, the the direct feedback from customers, to actually be able to put kind of faces to that feedback and, and, and live what the user's uh, needs and pains are, uh, and be in the room where they're being talked about. It has a massive effect. It's never going to be the same. Uh, reading a summary on a PowerPoint deck or, or reading a transcript of a conversation to being in the room and hearing yeah. them say it firsthand. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's really important that some time is spent in that environment. Um, obviously, people have other jobs to do, so we've got to make sure we don't, you know, you can't have everybody doing everything. Um, and, and in the same way, the expertise of the user researcher, uh, in this case, um, you got to you know you got to respect that the questions the the format the approach um, that that person is, is going to be uh, able to to define the best way of doing the research, um, but I think this goes for that kind of research as well as uh, sitting with your customer services team. Um, yeah, there's the whole you know eat your own dog food mentality. <laughs> uh, the closer that everybody can get to the customer, the better. And this is a great yeah. resource for that. And we've been talking just. Yeah, disclaimer, we sit next to each other at the moment. So we've been talking a lot about kind of assumptions that are floating around in, I guess, any business really, and research can be quite a powerful way of sort of killing some of those assumptions or proving them, as the case may be. So yeah, it's quite essential when you're using those assumptions to make decisions, right? Absolutely. And I think I think also we need to be able to use the, use the um, you know, the videos or the, the, the real world uh, ex- examples even when we're communicating to leadership and management. So, you know, again, even for those people, they haven't been in the room when we're doing it. If you can capture that video 
and use a real customer talking about their pain to empathize, you know, to empathize and to, to give an example. Uh, in my experience, that's so much more powerful than yeah. putting the numbers on the chart. Sixty percent of our users don't like this. Get one person saying it, I think, can have a, a much more emotional impact, and that's a really good way of helping to influence people within the business. Do you feel like the role of product or how you implement it would change depending on the type of business? So, would the I know the exact same approach doesn't work in every different company, but as broad strokes, like would you be able to lift a process from an e-commerce site and plonk it in a charity, for example, and like that would still be the way that you would expect it to run effectively? Or do you think there's things that are unique to those different sectors that change how you approach things? Yeah, I mean, I think more than that, it's probably even unique to company. So there are elements of uh, product uh, and as with design and technology that should be reusable. You know, there are best practices, there are methodologies that you can, that can use and implement. I think interestingly within product there are um, many variations of methodologies that kind of overlap and can be used in different ways and it could depend on anything from the, the type of business, the, the way the product has been implemented, even the personalities within your executive, executive team about what processes you use, what yeah. approaches. I mean, getting, but getting down to kind of almost like a principle level, those things shouldn't change. We, we need to know about customers. We want to be data-driven. You know, those things should be applicable to every business um, in the way that you do kind of modern product management. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when you're talking about processes and sort of artifacts of those processes, uh, they can vary and I think when I when I go into any new organisation it's as much how how can I use these things to communicate and share and get collaboration and, and consensus across the business um, that's kind of the main reason for that so depending yeah. on the people that you're speaking to you might choose to use different methodologies or, mm-hmm. or different approaches yeah cool um, so final question then, which is something we ask all our interviews. Have you got any books, podcasts, blogs, speakers you recommend for anyone that's looking to learn a bit more about product management or product strategy? Um, I mean, I think that for any product manager, they're probably going to be using very similar sources, and there are some real classic books that that you know, if, if you're looking to get into product management, uh, are definitely worth reading. In terms of like day-to-day stuff, I, I actually spend quite a lot of time on Medium now just because of yep. the, the varied kind of content you get in there. And I think, I think varied is, is good, you know, and I think it, it's, it's important also to, for a product person to not just be reading about product. You know, I want to be reading about uh, design, I want to be reading about technology yep. as well. Um, it's good to have a, a breadth of understanding. Um, you know, you want to be looking at product hunt as well, just for kind of what's going on. You know, what new entrants and effectively uh, what ideas you can steal from startups. Um, you know, and TechCrunch and those kinds of things to see how the kind of general market is moving. Um, for people getting into it, obviously you've got the kind of Silicon Valley product group blogs and those, that yep. that been going for a long time. And you know, a lot of the thinking that that product people use has, has been talked about there over time. So I think mm-hmm. that's a that's a very valuable resource. Um, I mean, books-wise, the the ones that have really impacted the way I look at it is, um, uh, and these may be you know, obvious answers, is um, the Inspired by Marty Kane was really impactful for me when I first read that. Um, I I like the idea of, uh, of of Lean and Agile working together. So um, 
the, the Lean Startup by Eric Race mm-hmm. is, is really, uh, was also a really uh, important read for me. Um, and then as I moved into more of a kind of a leadership role, um, there's a book by Richard Bradfield and Martin Erickson about product leadership. Um, and that really helped me kind of think about how to uh, work with and communicate through the business as well. All right, I think that's all I've got then. And so thank you very much. No problem. Cool. Cheers. Search and subscribe to Design Untangled using your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. Follow us on the web at designuntangled.co.uk or on Twitter at Design Untangled. Become a better designer with online mentoring at uxmentor.me.